Hi, and welcome to the I Meet Hotel podcast with industry updates, expert guests, and musings on what the future of travel and hospitality might look like. Every week, we'll bring you a new topic we find interesting through our work in this business with your hosts, Michael Ross and Christian Lipinski, and me, Rachel Bathgate. We also want to hear from you. If there's something you'd like us to talk about on one of our next episodes, email us at info at imeethotel.com or find us on LinkedIn at imeethotel. Hi, Christian Lipinski here, and welcome to I Meet Hotel, the podcast. Now, we're really starting to take off here with our podcast. We've covered so many topics from the new iOS update, non-fungible tokens, subscription-based loyalty programs and hospitality to new tech. I mean, if any of those sound interesting to you, make sure you go back and check those episodes out. Also remember that we have our IME Hotel presentations coming online soon from our Destination North America event. Now, if you haven't subscribed yet, go to imeethotel.com and do so so you can get access to those when they are available. We also have a new event coming up on June 3rd, focusing on the dock region. So when the pandemic ends, will these new travel trends stick around? Well, join and you'll find out. Uh, and speaking of our event, today we got a really interesting guest, Mateus Kuyman from Attached Language Intelligence. Now, Mateus has been part of the I Meet Hotel family for a while now. Back in the day when we were still able to have in-person events, Mateus joined us in Istanbul and in Amsterdam. Now, most recently, he was a keynote speaker at our Destination North America event, and there he discussed the importance of localization and specifically the do's and don'ts of an online presence. Mateus, welcome to the show. Good to speak to you again, and maybe uh, before we start, you can tell us a little bit more about Attached Language Intelligence and your role in the company. Yeah, thank you, Christian. It's nice being here. Um, as a language intelligence uh, company, we translate and create copy for corporations with a local and international presence, and in that way, we help you to connect, to be understood, found, liked, or even loved in every language and on every platform. And as you said, my name is Matthias. I'm the commercial director. And um, uh, I try to tell the people about the necessities mm-hmm. and the do's and don'ts of localization. Mm-hmm. But you, you, you didn't always, uh, you know, you didn't start in localization, am I right? I mean, did, how did you find yourself uh, working in this field? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm not really a jack of all trades, but I tried various things because um, I'm interested in a lot of stuff. I graduated from university um, as a history major, mm. but I didn't see a career teaching um, kids in puberty, basically. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I tried uh, working in the family business. Mm. Uh, we uh, made uh, and sold furn- wooden furniture in all kinds of uh, varieties. And I liked the commercial part of mm. that, but I wasn't really interested in, uh, in the product. And then I thought by myself after 10 years of working hard, what do I really like? And I've always been very interested in different cultures. I've mm-hmm. always been a traveler and I do have a knack for languages. Mm-hmm. I speak five languages myself. So I thought the translation industry would be a kind of natural habitat for me. Mm-hmm. And with, with attached language intelligence, how do you find yourself meeting up with with them because they've been been around for a while uh, as i understand uh, maybe you can tell me a little bit more about attached yes uh, attached was um um conceived um uh, by evelyn van Zendik in uh, 2000 mm-hmm. the year 2000 the millennial year and um 
we have always, uh, since then, the, for the past 21 years, we have grown from being a traditional translation agency where content would be coming to you by fax machine and we would send the translation over by post, mm -hmm. by regular post, to a very high-tech environment where we get content in from some of our major clients like Air France KLM, mm -hmm. um, Deutsche Bank, Norwegian Reward, um, American Express, mm -hmm. and this content is uh, translated into uh, up to 25 languages by our specialists. Mm -hmm. So there's 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 a term here that we we spoke about uh, a little bit early in the introduction about localization. Uh, and I think this may be, you know, some people may know what, uh, what localization is, but in any case, if listeners don't, uh, maybe you can give us a difference between localization and translation. Yeah. Well, translation is really translating um, words, sentences, content, uh, and thereby uh, making sure that the, the barrier between languages goes away. And it can be as basic as, as Google Translate, where you have a real literal translation to what we call contextual translation, which sometimes looks for synonyms in a language that is not a literal translation of a word, but has the same feeling. Mm -hmm. um, localization is much bigger than that. And localization can be defined as the process of adapting a product service or any other content to a specific market. Mm -hmm. So it takes into account things like um, um, culture, uh, is there an indirect form of communication or a direct form of communication? Mm -hmm. Are you talking about a hierarchical society or a more egalitarian society? Sure. Or even does a country have a Valentine's Day in February or a Lobs Day in July, which can be of a which can have a huge impact on a marketing campaign that is uh, focused on Valentine's Day, for instance? Sure, I uh, I have a, a quick story for you. And just uh, uh, prior to working in hospitality, I was making films out in Australia, and I went to Colombia to do a documentary film. Uh, about the Muri people uh, and specifically their language. Now, when I was there, uh, I picked up some Muri myself as my Spanish was, you know, okay to get by. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But they, they have this this phrase to say hello, which we just like, hey, hello, how are you? Uh, but what they say is they say, huh, it dio. And you reply with, huh, it the quad. It means, hey, do you exist? And you reply, literally, I do exist. But when yeah. we were translating that and writing it for uh, Western, you know, viewers and audience, you can't just write, hey, do you exist? Because it may have some meaning that's lost, that's contextual about the culture. Uh, and by saying, do you exist, it makes sure that you're not, you know, a spirit walking around, that they're not talking to a spirit. Uh, <laughs> so maybe you can give me some, some, uh, some ideas of localization where you saw that wasn't good or was good. I mean, of course, without naming names, uh, a situation yeah. where localization was needed in the past. Well, uh, for instance, um, uh, our airline clients uh, had a new destination in Sweden, um, and the destination was called Vexje, and they uh, had a really big campaign set up about it. And the tagline they came up with is Vexje, hard to pronounce, easy to love, uh, which in, uh, in its, uh, itself, of course, is a very good tagline. Um, and they gave us, uh, they requested us to translate this into 23 languages, among them Scandinavian languages, 
which of course is absurd because for Scandinavian people, uh, Vexio is not hard to pronounce mm. at all. So it's, that's one example when people don't think through what they conceived in one language and the effect it can have. Uh -huh. Another example, for instance, is when a famous telephone company called Orange um, had a European campaign which uh, went, uh, let's go Orange, which in North Ireland, where uh, there has been a, a civil unrest for 50 years between so-called Orangists uh -huh. and Roman Catholics, yeah. create, literally created riots in the streets. And, uh, and and to make uh, the third one, which is one of my all-time favorites, a, um, a vacuum cleaner company uh, was very proud of the sucking power of their product. And in their own language, that really, their slogan really worked. But when they translated it into American, um, the company is called Electrolux. And their tagline was, nothing sucks like an Electrolux, <laughs> which... <laughs> Which that's, of course that's memorable though. <laughs> but yeah. I don't and think that's the meaning they're, they're, they're going kind of for. Yeah. That it didn't work and that nobody bought their product. <laughs> but um, well, that's the kind of uh, misunderstandings or miscommunication that you often see. Mm -hmm. Let's uh, let's talk about what what attach does. I mean, uh, because you're looking at localization now within the company. I mean, there's so many languages in the world. Uh, how do you guys focus on all those different things or being able to manage those? The, the operational part of it is very simple. We have a uh, we have an office where twenty uh, plus project managers work, and we have a network of fifteen hundred translators all over the world, working from their native country and translating into their mother language, and they all have speci uh, they have their own expertise. So when we get uh, a request to translate a campaign, we go to translators that are very experienced in mm. marketing and have what you call a good pen are easy writers of nice content mm. because they will have the freedom to alter stuff to make it more compliant to other languages. But when you, for instance, get very technical stuff to translate like IT strings, this goes to IT specialists. Yeah. And of course, when you get legal content for uh, instance, for example, um, terms and conditions of a website or for of your company that of course is will be done by legal uh, experts uh, in the language that you wanted to uh, translate to see I, th I think that's also a really important thing as well which uh, people really kind of discount or disregard is that you're not just going to translate the the landing page of a website you know you're talking about legality you're talking about technology uh, so there's a lot of really intricate things uh, Ab yeah. absolutely and what do you think about being found on the internet the whole SEO thing sure. um, you can put uh, content on the on the on the internet as much as you like if you are not found by the market that you are targeting then all this investment of energy and time and money is for nothing yeah. um, in the early days for instance i know of a lot of hotel companies that were focusing on china because they 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 they're 1.4 billion chinese all wanting to go on a holiday so mm -hmm. these hotels wanted to take a part of this and they all wrote content uh, when you have your holiday come to us and celebrate your holiday and no 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 chinese turned up right. and it took some time to find out that chinese people will not use the chinese synonym for the word holiday mm -hmm. but for the word furlough 
or low? No, and and that's the that, that's a little practicality that can make. It's just one word, but it can make the difference between a successful campaign and a lot of conversion or uh, having a, no conversion at all. Mm. And then usually they are blaming the translator, which of course is not fair. It's, you have to blame the researcher because first, before you translate, you need to know what kind of uh, audience are you targeting and, 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 and who do you want to reach and mm. what, are their, what are their specifics. Right. I think that's also, I mean... Do you, with, with Attached, do you speak to these clients about this? Do you build this funnel with them? Uh, or is it up to them to deliver that to you? No, we, uh, we try to do that and we encourage, encourage uh, this. Um, but you have to understand, and when, when a lot of companies will look at their own processes, they will acknowledge this, that in a lot of companies, translation or localization is a commodity that's basically in the same category as toilet paper and coffee. Sure. Um, it's very much simplified and it mm -hmm. only gets noticed when there's something wrong with it or they're out of it. Mm -hmm. And that's what often happens with, with translation. So many people, when it has to do, uh, when they think, okay, we're going to export this product to Itali Italy or we are focusing on Japanese uh, customers, we who knows somebody who can do Ital Italian mm -hmm. and then they come up with the brother-in-law of the sister of the, the, the neighbor who has spent like one year studying in, in Italy and they will translate it, mm -hmm. which of course doesn't make sense. Right. Because, you know, the whole thing, Christian, is that language is all about personality, being sure. personal. Yep. Oh, you know what that sound means. It's time to take a quick break for industry updates with me, Ray Bathgate. Here's what you should know for May 11th, 2021. TripAdvisor reported a rising demand in Q1, particularly in the United States. In a letter to shareholders, they said the results were better than expected and attributed them to vaccinations. They also expressed optimism for international recovery. Trivago saw a revenue jump of more than 60% in March, which they also credit to vaccination efforts in markets like the US and Israel. They too expect travel demand to increase across Europe in the second and third quarters, coinciding with vaccine rollout progress. Meanwhile, Travala.com, the world's leading cryptocurrency-friendly OTA, launched a luxury travel service called Concierge. The cryptocurrency market value recently hit $2 trillion, and a study from Travala.com expects nearly three-quarters of Americans to spend more annually on travel than before the pandemic. And that's the main industry news roundup for now. I'm Ray Bathgate. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the rest of the show. All right, now we're back to the podcast with Mateus Kuiman. I was going to ask, you know, with, with the world getting smaller, uh, at least virtually, yeah. you know, this is a really good point to bring up is personalization and localization, uh, and especially with hospitality. You know, do you see this growing increasingly important that, you know, now that travel may be opening up here soon again, that being able to attract the right person, um, how is localization, you know, uh, its importance, and uh, how can that be kind of, uh, conveyed to these hoteliers uh, about, you know, looking into doing that in order to attract uh, the, the right customers? Yeah, there are a couple of aspects. The first one is, of course, that through COVID, 
the digitalization of the average traveler or prospect traveler has grown enormously. Mm. So people are sitting at home online, checking out destinations and possible locations where they want to uh, spend the holiday. Mm -hmm. um, when they come up this website and this website is not in their own language or is in their language, but they see a lot of mistakes or they don't feel at ease with the language that is used, they will basically switch immediately to the competitor reliability because they want trustworthiness, credibility of right. the website. So when that's not in order, it is a immediate disqualification of the website. Secondly, travel is about emotion. Mm -hmm. The choice for your hotel or apartment is about emotion. It's about your style, about being who you are. Mm -hmm. It's a very personal choice. And after your name, the language you feel at home with, the language that, are used to, uh, that you are used to, mm -hmm. the language that makes you comfortable, is extremely personal. Mm -hmm. And that's why when you just want to convey information, a translation into French for French speaking people mm -hmm. is okay. But if you want to win French guests, you have to make sure you, when you want people from Canada that you translate into French for Canada. Sure. If you want people from Switzerland, translate into French for Switzerland, because in this, this details, the small differences between this, these sorts of French is when they feel at home and feel acknowledged by your company or not. And it's not just a question of emotions. I mean, there's data to support how important localization is. Uh, can you give me some examples, some data that you've come across with uh, Attached? Yes, absolutely. Um, there has been um, some research by a specialized um, think tank or a consultancy company. It's called NIMSI Insights. Mm -hmm. And they have found that almost half of German, French, Chinese, and Japanese customers think it is at least unlikely that they would buy from an English-only website. Mm -hmm. So that means when you think about this data that half of the biggest markets in holiday there are, mm -hmm. half of those people will probably not order from your website when it's not, when it's only in English. Right. And a quarter is certain that they will not order from an English-only website. Yeah, and that's potentially a lot of revenue. That's a lot of revenue. And to turn that around, that more than 85% of customers from Italy, France, Japan, Germany, and Spain will choose their native language for information if they had a choice. Mm -hmm. Because it's very well known in the internet. It's a very simple adagium. It's called can't read won't buy can't read won't it, buy you know i worked for a helicopter company in australia and one of our biggest clients were uh chinese uh yeah. and so we had you know mandarin uh brochures and when we we produced our mandarin brochures and including localization not just translation we mm -hmm. seen besides just going on a scenic flight because that's all they thought that we did then they saw that uh the helicopter company would go out to sand caves or out to the reef boats all those different sales started going up because uh we were yeah. able to communicate it correctly and i mean i only remember one word uh phrase in mandarin it's jushan feiji which is you know plane that goes straight up but you know i yeah. learned those things in order to try to communicate jushan feiji jushan feiji you know just the basics but as soon as you start communicating 
you know, when I would say hello, you know, niao or bye bye, you know, tai chi and, you know, the, their their faces and attitudes completely change. Even though I know I don't speak Mandarin, the whole attitude Absolutely. changes. Right? Christian, it's all about being acknowledged as right. a person, being seen as a customer. Yeah. That's what you do by translation. And not just by conveying information, because, you know, um, I'm from the Netherlands myself. We have one of the highest competencies of speaking English in the world. Mm -hmm. So we get the information or at least 80% of the information. Mm -hmm. But it's about being seen right. if that company has the website or the information available in Dutch. It is comforting. It is reassuring. Mm -hmm. And I must say that what's also the truth is do it well because right. as a famous French, uh, sorry, as a, a, a French client of ours, a high place person at Air France said, and he was a very chauvinistic French person, but he said, I would rather read it in good English than in lousy French mm -hmm. because a bad translation is even worse yeah. than no translation. And yeah, I guess it, uh, it it ruins your credibility and reputation in the sense yeah. that, you know, they are not even putting the effort into it. And that's what I, you know, I got uh, two more questions. The first one for you is, you know, when you talk about costs, you got a lot of linguists that are working on this, a lot of time yeah. and energy. Some people may say, hey, this, this may cost too much for me to translate all this. You know, that's a lot of money you have to invest. Mm -hmm. Uh, but I think it's important, the facts that you made is that it's, you know, you're losing up to 50% of potential customers yeah. from these certain countries. So uh, let's let's talk about why that would be important, you know, to invest in, 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 in localization. Yeah, well, the investment in localization is uh, makes a lot of sense because it basically creates higher conversions and it makes um, it, it creates higher revenue. Um, sometimes people think, but I have so much content on my, web, on my website. And if I have to translate that into 12 or 15 languages, that will cost me a fortune. Mm -hmm. Well, we are all about smart localization. So what we will do with you is, or what we will ask you is, okay, which markets are you focused on? Right. So if you have like 10 markets, focus on three and there you do like the three biggest ones that are probably making up to more than 50% of your revenue, do all of the content in those languages. Then check what are your secondary markets. Mm -hmm. And if, for instance, Holland or the Netherlands is in there, we say, you know, leave that in English for now because they will speak English. Same goes for Scandinavia. But if your secondary market is Spain, we say, okay, translate that into Spanish, but you can make a selection of the content that you want to you don't have to do it all in once. Mm. And there is also a, a division between um, we can do stuff with what we call smart machine translation, which is basically Google Translate and then a, uh, a machine translation like, for instance, Google. Mm. And then we have a human editor make it, make it good. Mm -hmm. And uh, some parts, for instance, microcopy or pages that are really important, we will have that done by specialists. Right. So you kind of dist uh, distinguish between high level translation and regular translation. Sure. That can always also save you costs. Mm -hmm. So this kind of feels like we're moving towards this mutually intelligible or at least opening up uh, some new markets. So with attached language intelligence, what does the future look like? Uh, anything uh, coming up that uh, we should be watching out for? Well, after tourism, um, localization is still one of the biggest growth markets in the world. 
because it's not only about the the content that you see but just imagine all these online marketplaces whether it's uh and and resource uh sorry um e-commerce mm-hmm. companies like alibaba mm-hmm. who have these millions and millions of products online and they have to convey product information about every single product for their international clientele mm-hmm. the only solution for that kind of um, translation is machine translation because it's not possible or uh, financially viable right. that people will do that yeah, yeah too much on the on. other hand there yeah. are these specialists there is this content that needs to be done by by people because it has emotional value ethical value mm-hmm. creative value and we see a big part of that kind of of localization done by attached language intelligence Brilliant. So uh, one last question here for you, Mateus. If people are interested in localization uh, or translation and getting it done to the highest quality service, uh, how do they find you? How do they reach out? Well, the easiest part is to send an email to info at attachglobal.com or go to our website, which is www.attachglobal.com. And uh, they can see what we are capable of, um, and some of my uh, me uh, or my, my my colleagues will get into touch with them. We will always start with questions because, again, we don't think translation is a commodity. We think it can really help you, and therefore we need the information about you and your motives. What do you want? Who do you want to reach? And be very clear about the investment involved, which is often lower than you might expect. Mm-hmm. And then we take it off from there. Brilliant. Mateus Kuyman from Attached Language Intelligence. Thank you so much, sir, for spending the time and speaking with me today. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Christian. It was a pleasure. Cool. I think we'll wrap it up here for today. So to all our listeners, thank you for joining. We have another great episode planned for you, so watch this space. Remember to stay up to date with all our events by signing up to the I Meet Hotel mailing list and visiting us on LinkedIn and Twitter. Or hey, you can go old school. Email us at info at imeethotel.com. So today we talked, we questioned, we learned, and most importantly, we hope we gave you something to think about. Also, if there's anything you want us to cover in future episodes, we've got a podcast team that's eager to dive into some weird and interesting research topics. So get in touch with us and let us know if there's anything you want to know about hospitality. The I Meet Hotel podcast is a production from I Meet Hotel and Bidroom, the first subscription-based online travel community. Visit bidroom.com to learn more.